God, we thank you. Lord, the fact that you just even want to hear us, Lord. Who are we that we would ask anything of you, God? Lord, we're grateful that we can pray your will. We're grateful we can come together as a family, as a body of Christ to worship you, to call on your name, to learn from your word, to be transformed day in, day out into becoming more and more like you. So Father, we thank you for this all. We pray, Holy Spirit, would you just remain in this place even now as we communicate your word. Allow my voice to shrink and yours to rise up. Speak what we need to hear, God. We pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I just want to let everybody know, Pastor Carlos smells really good. I don't know why, Pastor, the three rows behind you are completely empty, but I can attest he's a good smelling man. So uh, I don't know, Francis got a beef with you, bro. We're just going to pray for Frankie and make sure that gets better. Um, you know, I'm so grateful for what we're praying. I want to ask you to continue to pray. Thank you. Look at that. Like, she just wants to show love. I appreciate two people heard what I was, three people heard what I was saying. We got it. Um, by the way, if, if you're thinking, man, growth track sounds awesome. I wish I could do growth track. Not a problem because part of our goal is to not just have all of our newcomers and new believers go through growth track, but if you are currently serving or at any point going to serve, we want everyone to go through growth track. Staff's gonna go through growth track. We all wanna just go through the same process so we have the same standard so that everyone is on the same page. And so uh, we're, we're figuring out how we wanna do that because there's a lot of volunteers. So Pastor Ariel and I are still in the process of figuring that part, but we didn't wanna hold off what we were waiting to do with the rest of our people that have been coming in. And man, by God's grace, they're showing up. And so we wanna make sure that uh, we don't want just visitors. We want family. We want people to come in. We don't want people to just watch us do church. We want people to become part of the church. And so I'm, I am very, very excited about what God's gonna do on Sunday. And uh, I, I just, as I've been praying and as I've been observing, I really feel like you're seeing the church go back to simple things. And there's something powerful about the simplicity. And I really feel like, especially culturally now, there is a yearning for the simple. Nobody wants to do a dog and pony show anymore. You know, the church can't put on lights and show that's really gonna compete with things that the world can do, nor should we try to compete with what the world is trying to do. Uh, and I was thinking about that even with what you saw in the Asbury revivals going on in that college in Kentucky. Uh, I love one of the observations that somebody put uh, no lights, no decor, no specials, no uh, fancy speakers, or by fancy, I mean like well-renowned, known people. It was the simplicity of a group of people that were hungry for the presence of God and then pursued it. And when you do that, hunger just creates hunger in others. When people see you run after God, they wanna run after him too. In the same way, if half of you got up and ran out of the building, I guarantee you the other half will get up and run and we won't ask questions about why we got up and ran until we got up out of here and figured out what was going on. Could have been a mouse, but still, the whole place would run because when one runs, we all run. And so I was thinking about that simplicity and how oftentimes we can really overcomplicate things. And then I was, as I was studying for Sunday's message, when we were talking about Naaman and the Jordan River, uh, I was looking at the next chapter, 2 Kings chapter six. And there's a very simple, small story there in the first six verses of 2 Kings chapter six that as I was reading it, I'm like, what does that even mean? 
And you know, sometimes, especially when you read your Bible, you try to look deeper than what it really is. And sometimes it's just kind of what it is. And so I, I kind of was like going back and forth. I was like, is there a deep, profound meaning in this? And after reading and looking at all the different commentators, most people were like, no, it kind of is what it is. So I want to give you what this story is. If you have your Bibles, look at 2 Kings chapter 6. If you don't, we're going to have it on the screen. Look at the first six verses here. It says, the company of prophets said to Elijah, now let me just pause right there. Elijah, who is coming on the back end of Elijah, this is the prophet of God. He developed something called the school of prophets, which is kind of like a Bible college. These are other people that were trying to grow in that same gifting. And so you could say that Elijah is like the headmaster and then he's got these students that are coming to learn under him. And the school has been rapidly growing. And so they say to Elijah, look, the place where we meet with you is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan where each of us can get a pole and let us build a place there for us to meet. And he said, go. Then one of them said, won't you please come with your servants? I will, Elijah replied. And he went with them. They went to the Jordan and began to cut down trees. As one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron ax head fell into the water. Oh no, my Lord, he cried out, it was borrowed. The man of God asked, where did it fall? When he showed him the place, Elijah cut a stick, threw it there and made the iron float. Lift it out, he said. Then the man reached out his hand and took it. That's the end of the story. And so I'm trying to look at that and I go, like, what's the iron ax? And I'm just like looking at it very, very profound. And, and the Lord just kind of spoke to me and he said, it's really simple, All right? And, and I want to talk to you about three simple things here that I see in this scripture. And the first one is this. God listens to our simple needs. An axe head, okay? Now think about it in this sense. Uh, An axe head in the grand scheme of everything wasn't a big deal. It's just a tool, okay? The grand scheme of stuff is not a big deal. It reminds me, one time uh, a group of pastors, uh, youth pastors, when I was in youth ministry, a group of us were going to Minnesota to a university up there for a conference. And so we all decided to meet at my friend's church in Roscoe, and we were going to all leave our cars there. We were all going to get in one van, and we were going to go up and go to the university. So we did that. You know, we're out there. We're doing our thing. On the way back, we're getting ready to pack up, get in our van. We had to get back at a certain time. One of the pastors is like, hey, I can't find my keys. We're like, okay, well, we, we got to go, dude. So go look for your keys. He's looking, he's looking. Can't find my keys. We talked to administrators. Like, hey, he lost his keys. We talked to the hotel. Hey, he lost his keys. Nobody can find his keys. And we're like, we got to go. Now he's getting mad. He's like, guys, I need my keys. And we're like, we, we need to go home. Like, what do you want us to do? We look for your keys. So it didn't bother any of us because it's not our keys. It really bothered him because it was his keys. Now, an eight-hour drive with somebody that annoyed isn't so nice. Now, I'll tell you, the good news is when we got back to the church, we all get out of the car and we all get ready to go to our cars and we look at his van and there's a little bit of smoke coming out the tailpipe. And I go, dude, did you leave your car unlocked? Not only did he leave it unlocked, he left it on for three days. I said, what kind of anointing does this church have that you can leave your car with the keys in it on three days? Ain't nobody stole your car. Like this church is dope. Y'all got some cool stuff going. But no, he left it on. As a matter of fact, he got in it, turned it off, turned it on. It's like a bucket of water flew out the tailpipe. It was, and it ran. I was like, well, you are lucky. The point is we totally drove back without his keys, okay? Because the reality is in the grand scheme of things, his keys wasn't as important as what we were doing. But that doesn't mean that it's not important to him. I'm saying that because 
There are a lot of needs that are gonna come up in your life as an individual that really aren't important to all of us or even maybe the church as a whole. But that doesn't mean that it's not important to you as a person. And so a lot of times what happens is we fail to lift up certain prayers to God that we don't feel are worthy to be prayed for. We kind of measure things out and we say, well, this is something that I need to ask for prayer for. And then this is something I just got to accept. Well, I lost my keys. It is what it is. And in this scenario, you could have said the same thing. He lost an access like, hey man, sorry, stinks, but what do you want us to do about it? You want us to jump in the river, swim around and look for it? Right? And so it's easy to assume that they would have just moved on. But I want you to notice Elijah's response wasn't, oh, well, it was, where did you drop it? And I think it's important for us to understand that no matter how small or how big a need, when you bring it before the Lord, he goes, well, where is it? Where'd you last see it? Why? Because if it matters to you, it matters to God. And we can't negate that. Please don't measure things. Because remember, whatever's over your head is still under God's feet. Whatever you think is a big deal or a small deal is all a small deal to God. There is nothing that's too big or too small where God's like, oh, you know what? I've never messed with that kind of situation. You're right. And there's never, again, it's all minute. It's all, you know, just whatever to God. It would be like, you know, a, a, a billionaire, a multi-billionaire losing 20 bucks. It's not a big deal to him. It's 20 bucks. 20 bucks to you might be a big deal, but it's not to him. And in the same way, God, who is the master of all things, nothing that you have, small or big, really is that measurable to God. What matters to him is, does it matter to you? And if it matters to you, then he's willing to do something about it. In the same way, my kid the other day, I don't know if you guys have like just a, um, a cemetery of toys under your couches, but like my kids, they drop a toy on the couch. I'm like, it belongs to the couch now. And we ain't. So my daughter discovered using my phone flashlight and now she's got like, it's like a toy store for her. Look at all these toys. I'm like, baby, I'm not. She said, can you get the ball for me in that back corner? I was like, no, that ball's been there for three years. It stays there. It's buried. I'm never going, I don't want you to think I'm a filthy bird. Just joking. But you know what? As much as I didn't want to, because it mattered to my daughter, I laid on the floor and I, with a pole and I just fiddled around until I got the ball out. And then she got the ball and she's like, now give me that. I was like, no, you get one thing, one thing one day. Like, that's all it is. But listen, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. The important part of that verse is the fact that he cares for you. Isn't it weird that we sometimes think that we're bothering God? Isn't that an awkward statement to even make? I don't want to bother God. Like God would be bothered by you. That's your own insecurity. That's not God. I don't want to bother God. You know what bothers God? You're not bothering him. Because he already knows your need. He already knows what you're going through. In the same way, like if my wife starts a sentence, she says, hey, can you, I have to know what she was going to ask. She said, never mind. I go, no, what do you want? No, never mind. Just tell me what you wanted. It's not important. I don't care. Just tell me what it was. Because all day I'm going to be wondering, what did she want? I don't know what she wanted. And sometimes it's like, can you just get this for me? It's like, yeah, sorry. why don't you ask? That's fine. I'll go get it for you. And in the same way, sometimes we hold back things that really matter to us, but for whatever reason, we act or think like it doesn't matter to God. Well, you know, it's just a promotion. It's not that big a deal. Is it a big deal to you? Then let it be a big deal to God. Well, it's just my kid's school. I'm just not sure. Okay, is it, if it's enough to worry about, then it's enough to pray about. Bring it to God. That's why he says, cast all your anxiety. How much of our anxiety is self-induced? Simply because we're not willing to give it to the Lord. Simply because we wanna act like it's not a big deal, like it's not important. 
Listen, if it's important for it to stay on your mind, lift it up. No matter how small it is, you'd be shocked some of the minute things I've prayed about. But just because they're minute doesn't mean they're not important. The ax was simple, but what did he say? It was borrowed. That wasn't even my ax. You ever lost somebody else's things? You freak out. Because it's not just that I lost. I don't care if I lost my thing. I lost somebody else's thing. That's a big deal, (laughs) which I appreciate that he had enough honor to to be able to say, listen, that, that, that didn't even belong to me. We got to get to a point though, and I often worry sometimes how much anxiety we suffer with simply because we don't deem the situation worthy enough to pray about. When God said, cast all your anxiety on me because I care for you. Let God be the one to tell you, hey, listen, I don't need you to worry about that anymore. Let God be the one to say yes or no, depending on the situation. But you shouldn't be the first one to do it. Second one I notice is this. Simple means, or simple need and Elijah responded with simple means, a stick. Now think about it. Elijah cuts a stick, throws it in the water where the ax head is and the ax head floats. Did he need a stick? Could he have thrown a rock? Could he have spit? Could he have tossed his belt, a shoe? Does it matter? Could he have just waved his hand and it would have floated up? Couldn't there have been a hundred different means that Elijah could have used and the ax head still would have floated? And the answer to that is yes, because the means don't really matter. The means is simply a conduit for faith. In the same way, oftentimes, when, when, especially in the prayer meeting, when let's say we pray for somebody sick, we'll grab oil and we'll anoint you with oil and we'll pray over you, okay? There is nothing unique and special about oil, especially that oil. I was at a camp one time. There was a lady walking around with a bottle of Crisco. She's like, I'm an oil lady. And she just started rubbing it on people's faces. I'm like, I'm a breakout of my face guy. Don't rub the oil on my face. This is, this is weird. But the reality is there's nothing uniquely special. Even on Sunday when we did baptism, there's nothing holy about that water. It's a conduit for faith. It's a method in which we use in order to express our faith and our trust in God. That when, when we apply this oil in faith, we believe that the prayer made for the person, the sick person will be made well according to scripture. And so the, the problem is when we put our faith in the means, not in the God. All right? you, you can't put your faith in means. Uh, again, as, and I traveled in Jerusalem a couple of weeks ago. It saddened me how many people were worshiping the means, not God. People that were like, this is the rock. And they were crying over a rock and they were touching a rock and they were petting a rock. And I'm like, it's still just a rock. Yeah, but Jesus is like, yeah. I bet you there's a lot of rocks he touched around here but you have somehow convinced yourself that this rock is special. No, the only rock that's special is God. And so we have to be careful because the school of the prophets then didn't grab the accent and then grab the stick and then put the stick in the new house that they built and like, this is the holy stick. The stick that made axes flow. Whenever you have an issue, pray to the stick. (laughs) But listen, let's be honest. How many of us culturally, different backgrounds, we've elevated means into a godly format. This is the thing, and you know, all throughout the Bible, they weren't um, exempt from that. They would do stuff like that too, where they began to worship the means rather than the God. But listen, God will use means. So that doesn't mean that we don't utilize some of these things when God gives us the appropriation for it. Listen, Exodus chapter four gives us a great example of that. 
here in Exodus, God is talking to Moses and he's telling Moses, hey bro, I want you to go into Egypt and you're gonna set my people free. And Moses kind of having this back and forth with God because he's nervous, he's hesitant, he doesn't feel like he can do it. And then in this part in verse uh, one of chapter four, Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? And the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake. He ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out his hand and took the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Often the means that God uses, like I said, is a conduit for your faith. And often that conduit for your faith is the thing you have in your hand. God asked Moses, what is that in your hand? Remember, anytime God asks a question, it's rhetorical. Because if God is all-knowing, there is nothing he doesn't know. So when he asks a question, it's for your benefit and your understanding because he's trying to explain something to you. Moses is saying, what if they don't believe me? And God says, well, what do you got in your hand? I'm gonna use that. Oftentimes, as a conduit of faith, God looks at what's in your hand. I don't know how I'm gonna pay these bills and, and you know, everything's starting to pile up. Taxes are coming in and this and this and that. God, what do I do? And God says, well, what's in your hand? My tithe, I was thinking about using this to pay the rent. Give your tithe. I can't do that, God. It's a conduit of faith. Trust the Lord with what he's asked of you. That's hard. But I mean, I would imagine when Elijah threw the stick, people thought, well, what's the point of the stick? But what's in your hand? Some of you, you're trying to figure out what God's calling you to do. And God said, well, what's in your hand? What's your gifting? What did I place in there? God, you're giving me a gift to teach children. Okay, I want you to go serve in children's ministry. But I don't like children. That doesn't matter. I gave you a gift. I already work with children. I'm a teacher. Great. You are actually fully equipped then to go and work with our children. You'd rather go work with other people's children? <laughs> no offense. I, I get it. You know, if I worked at McDonald's all day, the last thing I want to do is come home and make burgers. I understand that. But when God has given you a gift, you've placed something in your hand, maybe that's because he wants you to use it. Maybe God's giving you a microphone. Maybe God's giving you a social media platform. Maybe God's giving you influence around family, around friends. I think sometimes we, we overcomplicate the solution to our problem when God is saying, what do you got in your hand? I'll use that to solve this situation and to make this simple thing or make this complicated thing more simple. And the third thing is this. He had simple means for a simple need and required a simple reach. And I love this part. He's, Elijah throws a stick, axe head floats. By the way, uh, iron doesn't float. <laughs> so just in case you were wondering about buoyancy of iron, axe head floats. Couldn't Elijah have had it float to him? That would have been a cool trick. Could he have had it go up in the air and fly to him? Could have had a number of things. It could have gone under the water and through the ground. I don't know. God could have just been real creative that day and did a lot of fun stuff with it but he had it just float. He didn't have it swim. And then he told the young man, go and grab it. I think sometimes the reason we miss out on a miracle is not because God hasn't provided, but because we haven't reached out. God has it floating there right for you, but you're unwilling to reach. You're unwilling to reach by coming to the prayer meeting. You're unwilling to reach by asking someone to help pray for you or for help. You're unwilling to reach to do what God is asking you to do and to step out of your comfort zone or to follow through and be obedient to the thing that he's asked of you. 
And often I think we miss out on the miracle, not because it's not there, but because I haven't reached out for it. Listen, in Luke chapter nine, you get another great example of this. I actually got to the stand around this area where they think Jesus uh, sat on the mountain where he gave the Sermon on the Mount. And, uh, and in this area, the Bible tells us that there were you know, at least 5,000 people, not including women and children. So you can round that up to even 15,000 people. And when you sit there, you're like, yeah, that makes sense how many people can be in this area. And the Bible tells us that they got hungry. And in Luke chapter nine, verse 13, he replied, you give them something to eat, right? So they come to Jesus, they're like, hey, send them home, they're hungry. Jesus says, you give them something to eat. They answer, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, what's in your hand? Unless we go and buy food for all the crowd, about 5,000 men were there. But they said to the disciples, have them sit, but he said to the disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. <clears throat> then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They ate, they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces that were left over. I think it's important for us to recognize. Jesus broke the bread, multiplied the fish, but they distributed it. Okay? Jesus broke the bread, he prayed, and then he handed it to them, and then he said, you give it out. Jesus could have handed it out. Jesus could have had everybody line up in a single file line and come and pick it up. Well, what did Jesus do? He gave them a firsthand eye view of the miracle happening before them. Because if I'm one of the disciples and I go grab one of these baskets of bread and fish and I start to stir, I'm gonna look at the basket, this, this is not enough for the 5,000 people I got here. And as I'm going, it just keeps multiplying. And it just keeps multiplying. No one had a better view of the miracle than the disciples. But you still had to have enough faith to pick that basket up and walk around with it and hope. You ever been the one person who ran out of food in front of a crowd? They don't care that you, trust me, they don't care that you don't, you're not the cook and you didn't buy the food. You missed out before you got to me. They had to walk around and believe that this basket would have enough. Not only did it have enough, they had leftovers. Leftovers, why? Because they reached out, right? They went to Jesus and said, hey, we need a miracle. Jesus says, I got a miracle for you, but you're gonna be the one to hand it out. I wonder again, how much of us are missing out on the miracle simply because our hands are in our pockets, because we're not willing to reach. We're not willing to extend a hand and say, God, I wanna trust you in this situation. And again, reaching isn't just asking, Reaching is also believing, okay? Now, it didn't seem too difficult for that man to get the ax. It was already floating. Yeah, that's, that's an easy step of faith. But even then, some of us, it's right in front of you and you aren't willing to go and grab it. You aren't willing to go and receive what God has given you. It could be doubt. It could be un, feeling unworthy. I don't deserve it, God. I, don't, I, don't, I haven't earned it. Well, God doesn't give us what we earn. We'd all be punished if we got that. God gives us what he desires. It's his grace and his love because he cares for you that God says, here, get it. But at the same time, because he's a good father, he makes you reach for it. He makes you take a step of faith as well. Okay? It happens to me all the time with my kids where I'm like, my, daughter, my oldest daughter's getting into a weird thing lately where like, you know, I, I was feeding her sister. She goes, feed me. I was like, no, you feed yourself. We went through three years of this so you can feed yourself. I'm not feeding you. Feed me, Bobby. No, you, can, you do it. I already cooked it for you. I gotta feed you too. 
Like at some point I want her to cook for herself. At some point I want her to, and when we're really, really old, I want her to feed me. <laughs> but I got to teach her. Yes, I could do that for you. And truthfully, it would make my day go a lot easier if I just fed her and then got it over with. But no, I need you to reach out. I need you to grab the spoon and I need you to feed yourself. I've already given it to you. I've made it. I prepared it. I got it before you. But now you got to do a little bit too. Because if I don't get you to do that, then you're never going to be able to do the rest of the stuff. And in the same way, God often provides things that we can't do, but then leaves the part that we can do for us. Does that make sense? There's some stuff that absolutely you can't do. That's why you need a miracle. Oh, I need this job. Okay, God gave you the job, but now you're showing up late to work. What does that mean? Well, you know, God, I'm looking for a church. Okay, God brought you to this church, but now you just sit down and watch everybody do stuff. You're not involved in anything. Why did God bring you here? Dead weight? No offense. I'll talk about this a little bit more on Sunday, but nobody was brought to this church to watch the rest of the people do church. You were brought here because you bring something unique and special to the table, you. And we need you to reach out because when everybody's hand reaches out, we're good. I used to joke with my wife when we were dating. I said, I don't expect you to ever pay, but I would like every now and then for you to reach for the check. That'd be sweet. Just pretend, just give me a little faint, just a little, I got it. I'm like, no, baby, I got it. I knew she never had it. She never wanted to. She's like, no, you got it. But even that little reach sometimes meant a lot because it meant she wanted to try Pastor Jason, if you can help me out. All these things are simple. It's a simple need. It's by simple means to stick. Again, sometimes God's asking you to use the simplest of things to conduit your faith. Simple needs, simple means, a simple reach. None of this was complicated for this young man. All these things are simple because the truth is that it is God who does the difficult. God made the ax head float. God turned Moses' staff into a snake. God multiplied the bread and the fish. God is always willing to do the complicated, the difficult, the thing that you can't do for yourself. But God also chooses to use you as part of the process. Our simple faith demonstrated in obedience is what creates greater faith when God produces the miraculous. Let me say that to you again. Our simple faith demonstrated in obedience is what creates greater faith when God produces the miraculous. <clears throat> I'm sure Elijah could have just jumped in the Jordan and picked up the ax. <clears throat> God would have told him where it was. He could have just grabbed it. What was God doing? He was showing those students, Elijah's my guy. I'm using him. And I can use you too in the same way. Remember, Jesus said that when I leave, you'll receive the Holy Spirit and you'll be able to do even greater things than I did. The problem, I think, is not that we can't do greater things than Jesus, is that we don't believe we can do greater things than Jesus. And so we stifle what the Holy Spirit can do through us because we just don't believe. Simple needs. We need to learn, though, to enact simple faith in everyday simple needs. I think it was David, our drummer. I saw him post earlier today. Um, practice makes, what was it? No. Nope. Permanent. The saying is always practice makes perfect. His saying was practice makes permanent, which I like a lot more. 
Because you might practice all day long and never get perfect. But if you practice something long enough, it becomes permanent. It's just, it's just a nature of things. Just in a silly way, and this is, I hope this doesn't ruin the holiness of the moment. But there's been a couple of times in my life where I remember I went into the bathroom to wash my hands. And before I left, I flushed the toilet. And I'm like, I didn't even use the bathroom. <laughs> but you're just so used to in that room, this is what you do. And sometimes you do it. Or even crazier, you ever driven home and like, let's be honest, just kind of like blanked out for a few minutes? And you're like, oh, that's scary. I just got home. Like, but you weren't paying attention. You kind of just zoned out. But you just instinctively, because you're always doing it, because you're practicing that on a regular everyday basis, by God's grace, you got home. (laughs) My point is, when we practice the simple things with God, it becomes a permanent, natural thing for God when the big things come. But when you don't go to God with simple things, you don't know how to go to God with complicated things. Maybe there's a simple thing that's going on in your life right now that you don't even think is big enough to worry about or pray about. But pray about it anyways. Just get into the habit and the practice of going to God. That's what I'm talking about, becoming permanent. That whatever situation I'm in, whatever need I have, wherever I find myself in, I will always go to God. Oh, I forgot to get candles for the birthday cake. God, help me get candles. Oh, my mom comes in. I got some candles. I'm not going to say that was God, but that was cool, right? That's just a silly thing. But I want to practice this. I want to practice this on a regular basis. Whatever need comes up, whatever simplified aspect it looks like. Do I eat Chinese tonight? Do I eat pizza? All right, let me pray about that. And the Lord says, you don't need either, Joy. Go make a sandwich at home. Hey, you know what? That sounds silly. Maybe that is God. (laughs) Maybe that is the Lord. And when you do it with those simple things, when it becomes, do I move and buy this house or do I stay? It's a lot easier to recognize the voice of God because I've been asking him about sandwiches. Asking him about this isn't complicated. I've been talking to God on a regular basis about the simplest of things. So when it comes to complicated things, it's not a big deal. And listen, just to be transparent, we do this with everything. With your spouses, you talk about the dumbest things. Would you still love me if I lost both my arms? Yes. Hopefully that never happens, but you talk about it. (laughs) And so when it comes to complicated situations, hey, if something had happened to both of us, who takes care of our kids? It becomes easier because this is a woman I have conversations with every day about everything. What's your favorite superhero? And do you want to be cremated? Do you want to be buried? (laughs) We ask it all. If you know how much that improves your relationship with a person on earth, can you understand how much that improves your relationship with your heavenly father? When you learn to ask even the simplest things, oh no, I lost my ax, it was borrowed. No problem, where did you drop it? God, this might seem like a simple thing, but I'm bringing it to you. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Look at this. In all your ways, acknowledge him or submit to him and he will make your path straight. Not in some ways, not in hard ways or easy ways or sometimes ways. In all your ways, everything you got, Just learn to submit those prayers to God and he'll show you what path to take. It's about the practice of his presence. 
just continuing to practice being there. And it makes it a lot easier when an emergency comes to act. Why don't you stand as we pray? I'm just gonna make a simple request. Not gonna do anything crazy or wild, but I wonder if you're here this evening and you have a simple prayer need. You don't have to tell me what it is. The Lord knows. I mean, you could have a complicated one too. I'm not eliminating anything. But is there something that's been weighing on you that you just wanna bring to the Lord? If that's you, I wanna pray for you. I'm just gonna ask that you lift up your hand so that it's a sign of unity in that. Thank you. Thank you. Heavenly Father, you see every hand that's raised in this room. God, I don't know how simple or how complicated it is, but I do know that to you, it's neither. To you, it's just a need that your children have. And God, like a good father, you respond, you care about the needs that they have. And God, I pray even before you answer that, that you, even now, God, remind them, settle it in their heart, God, that it matters, that they matter that you care about the things they care about, God, that you worry for them as well because you love them and you care for them and you want what's best for them. God, I pray that we would never dismiss anything or assume that it's not important or, or even get to that point where we think we're actually bothering you. But Lord, I pray just like in this moment that we practice going to you. For when it comes to what school to go to or what house to move in, how many children to have or who to leave our children with, what job to take or, or what position to move in, what to even have for dinner. God, I pray that we would just get so used to talking to you about our day in, day out decisions <clears throat> that it becomes second nature, Lord. Lord, that we're reminded that scripture tells us to pray without ceasing. God, we're called to never stop having communication with you. And so God, I pray even now specifically for that need that was lifted up in that hand, God. Lord, I pray that that simple need would be answered by simple means, that you would provide a way, God. No matter what it is, no matter how it is, God, I pray that you would provide a way. And Lord, I pray that you would also give them the courage to be obedient to whatever it is that you ask of them, God. Whatever role they have to play in the answer of this prayer, God, I pray that they would have clarity and that they would have courage that they would follow through and they would reach out, Lord, receiving what you have for them, God. And Lord, I thank you for everyone in this room, God. I thank you that we've come to this place because we're trying to practice your presence. We're trying to get closer to you. We're trying to hear your voice more clearly. So Lord, I just pray, give us simple faith, God. Lord, you reminded us in your word that we are to have faith like a child, simple not overthinking, constantly asking, constantly going to you. Help us, Lord, to never become so self-sufficient that we become self-reliant, that we ignore you when we forget about you, but that we would always be desperate for your presence and constantly coming to your feet, looking for exactly what it is you have for us. We thank you for this all, and we pray it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.